0: some stuff out of it might as well uh, we're both here yeah (laughs) yeah i guess that goes right with the rhythm of what we wanted to talk about anyway right yeah i've uh trying to get people to show up
1: (laughs) i kind of wanted david in it because he's been um working for the dealers for a lot of years he and i've had a lot of good conversation about the um uh Uh, labor situation with dealers and independent shops and the aftermarket and all that sort of stuff. So I figured it would be a a pretty good conversation, but, um, but, you know, I got a lot of ideals on um, uh, the shops and stuff like that, as far as uh, getting labor set up for them and um, uh, things like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm fine with all of that. Yeah, we
0: can roll right into it then. Mm -hmm. I'm sure sure we'll we'll entertain ourselves. I was wondering how it was going to be with three people anyway. I haven't done that yet. You hadn't done that? No. No. (laughs) Yeah. The old menage a trois, as they call it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll just roll into it. I'll let you introduce yourself.
1: Well, um, of course, my name is Jim Mobley. I'm with Sonax Transmission Company and... I've been in um, uh, the business for uh, well, since 1975, right, uh, right about when Vietnam uh, was uh, becoming over with, and um, grew up in uh, uh, East Texas, uh, worked on um, anything mechanical growing up, uh, any uh, bicycles, uh, lawnmowers, tractors, appliances. Uh, anything and everything that uh, needed repaired. So uh, back in the early days, uh, started out with Amco and um, worked for Rudy Batsik in Shreveport, Louisiana at, at an Amco shop for about a year. And the rest of it is pretty well history. Uh, worked for Amco for a uh, many years back and forth with a few shops actually owned an Amco shop in Bowling green, Kentucky, uh, for a couple of years. And, um, after, um, I got married and had a couple of kids with my first wife, we got divorced in 87 and I ended up, uh, after the divorce heading out West to Arizona and California. Uh, in 2001, I ended up in California, in Los Angeles, with TransGo and Gil Younger. I ended up working for TransGo for 20 plus years. And after TransGo, uh, uh, ended up uh, getting bought out by private equity groups. I moved on to SunX transmission company out of Vermont and here we are today in 2023
0: been around the block to say the least huh
1: yes yeah what
0: what made you uh what made you stick with the transmissions
1: the transmissions have always been profitable uh That's no fair. matter what part of the business I've I worked with um uh, several remand companies in between um, uh, 1987, 1992 in, in Arizona. And, um, no matter what part of the business I've been in, I've always made a very good living out of it. Um, you know, financially it's been very beneficial, uh, you know, as far as, uh, uh, the industry itself, um, you can go to work for any part of this business and make a good living. You know, you can afford, uh, um, uh, afford to purchase, um, uh, you know, whatever you want, a home, uh, uh, vehicles and stuff. You can live an American dream in the transmission and automotive business.
0: Yeah. Now there's like, a lot of, like the transmission was like the high, the, the most paid, or the yes. highest paid skill. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I feel like um, I've always thought it was kind of like the pinnacle that was like, if you could be a transmission builder, that's the thing no one else wanted to do. So maybe that's, you know, obviously, if no one else is doing it, do the thing no one else is doing Mm. and you'll make the most money at it. I just.
1: Yeah, what uh, what I found in the transmission business is not everybody uh, puts forth the effort to learn a lot of tech. Uh, a lot of guys are so busy every day working in a shop that uh, they don't have time to study the, the workings of a transmission, how a transmission functions, uh, the yeah. hydraulics. And now we've got electrical involved. Uh, we've had electrical uh, heavily involved since about 1996. And when electronics... Became part of the transmission that really uh, separated a lot of the men from the boys. I'll say, yeah, you know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of controversy. Guys would uh, comment at uh, some of the expo shows and stuff back in those days. You know, I'm out of it when the electronics becomes a part of it. I'm getting out of this business. You know, I'm going to uh, get away from it. I can't deal with electronics. Well, here we are. 20, 30 years down the road and we've got, uh vehicles with heavy electronics nowadays I mean it's all solenoids it's all computers and controllers
0: yeah fully and, um, fully controlled electronics no yeah, longer no longer spool valves actuated by shift solenoids full-on shift solenoid actuated shifts
1: <laughs> yeah so you know a lot of those a lot of those guys that said they were going to get out of the business are now having to uh, they're dealing with it you now, know do you,
0: do you find the electronics easier you've been in this uh, mm-hmm. you know long Longer than I have, um and you've seen the text go the 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 technical advice that you've given gone from a strictly hydraulically actuated unit, TV cable governor mm-hmm. pressure, right? And now you're getting in electronics. Do you don't you find it easier to diagnose some of this stuff with the advent of electronics? If you understand yeah. how it works,
1: yeah, the electronics. The thing that a lot of guys uh, uh, don't understand is the uh, the uh, electronics will tell you and give you more clues as to where the problem actually is
0: hey look here we it. go
1: we got David now
0: hey, hey welcome Hi. in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry guys that's all hey right there David
0: we, we started rolling so you just come on in yeah
1: hey good morning good morning there Dave
0: well we were just we were just talking about the advent of adding electronics into tr- an in automatic trends but now that you're here uh, yeah, go ahead and give a quick introduction.
2: Hey, I'm Dave Tang, uh, over here at Japanese Service Center Two in Sacramento. How you guys doing? Good
0: a bunch of good. California boys here. I like it. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he said you're the you're you're the man when it comes to this stuff. Uh, sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, we kind of want to pivot into into getting into techs into the field. I know we were talking before we started recording about getting, you know, in more interest into the industry, right? Because there's just not enough transmission techs in the world today, you know? Well, and so we were just talking about kind of going from hydraulic transmissions into the electronic and how – do you feel that's made it easier in the industry to have the electronics added into these units? It. It didn't make it easier, but it made it more efficient. Okay. Did it make it, make it easier to diagnose, I guess, was, was a better way to rephrase that? I, yes. Okay. So, I feel the same way. I was like, some some. I mean, I get it. Like, I do, you know, Turbo 350s and 700s and 400s, and, and sometimes you can see a problem. You, it's just like, just tear it out and tear it apart, right? But yeah. then you get into the some of this electronic stuff, and you can actually identify what the problem is without having to pull the unit out and put it on the bench. then <laughs> <Like, laughs> not that make it easier, you know? And everyone gets so scared. He, you know, Jim was just talking like he talks to guys. Like as soon as the electronics get into this, I don't want anything to do with it anymore. <laughs> Why?
1: That's the uh, that's <laughs> Paluso guys. That is. yeah, back in back in uh, back in uh, days of '96, uh, uh, when uh, you go to the expos, is what I was saying. You talk to a guy. Uh, and he say, you know, this electronics is fixing to drive me out of the business. I'm not going to deal with this because hydraulics is my forte and I do not want to deal with electronics too much, you know. <laughs> so uh, a lot of those guys, the Pelusos, like St- Steve Peluso, I'm sure is the one you're talking about, they're still working on a lot of those old vehicles today. And so, a couple of them, like Steve, refused to make a move over into anything electronic he's still that way you know but you got other guys uh i guess it's okay to mention names but you got gary mullins and people like that that have just dug into these electronics and they're still cooking still moving it didn't even phase them a bit moving into electronics yeah you know
0: we well, got guys like Bernie Thompson on at ATS and he's just phenomenal when it comes to like diagnosing these electronic problems. And mm-hmm. he even says, I'm not a transmission guy, but the guy can diagnose transmissions better than transmission builders.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. He's just
0: spot on. Like, and he just, cause he understands how the system works and he doesn't yeah. even, and he doesn't have to pull, like, I remember as, as young as I am getting in the industry, it was like, if there's a problem with it, just pull it out and put it on the bench. That yeah. was standard. That was SOP, right? If that's there's an issue. Pro- pull it out. That, and tear it apart.
1: <laughs> that's a big problem though. I get yeah. a lot of guys I deal with that uh prematurely pull that transmission out of the vehicle, and the vehicle is your best dyno. You know, if you've if you've got a problem leave that transmission or what have you in that vehicle for a little while let's let's get a scanner on it let's look at codes let's uh look at data um because once you get it on the bench a lot of these uh contacts i get or you know i've got it all apart here i don't see anything wrong jim so what do i do <laughs> you know
0: well, and you know, too, like, like David running the shop, it's like you have the anxiety, right? Like this car has got to get back to the client. Yeah. And so your headspace just goes, tear it out. Right. Or for me anyway, same thing It's like, just tear it out and let's look inside of it. Like, I don't want to play games. Let's just get it out. Cause you just want to keep moving. Like I got to keep doing something, you know? I, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it too. It's like, that was like the SOP to start with. Like you got a problem, just tear it apart and, and look inside, see if we can see anything. What are you looking for? I don't know. Well, you're
2: (laughs) (laughs) a scan tool, because if you know how to look at scan tool data, that helps you diagnose it. You know, it it points you in the direction of it's it's gonna be either transmission, engine, ABS, or some kind of communication issue. And you figure that out, that's the direction. And then let's say it does point you in the direction of the transmission. Most of the time, is I drop the pan. If if I see metal and and sludge in the pan, then yes, the unit comes out. Yeah, but that's true. Before that unit comes out, I always check codes first thing. Check codes, check scan data. Basically, you know, okay, they're complaining that it's not shifting right or slipping in a certain gear. I Always hook up the scan tool and I look at shift solenoids to make sure they're working. If all that's working and it's not shifting right and you drop the pan you'll find your mystery but a lot of mm-hmm. guys like Jim said you know I was guilty of it in my younger days you know the it, 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 first thing you do is you pull the transmission take it apart and then you're like there's nothing <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a
0: scary feeling yes. <laughs> it, 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 it. It, it makes you really good at it though I mean I got really, <laughs> I got really good with transmissions because I'd take them out eight times before I got it right <laughs> <laughs> You know, it yeah. uh, makes you efficient though. Like I can get that trans out in 20 minutes. Like how, how did you learn how to do so quick? I screwed mm. up a lot. <laughs> 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 I've learned, I've learned that way too. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think maybe the tenacity too, maybe that's what we're missing in the, in the, in this future generation coming up. Everyone wants to get in and make a hundred thousand dollars a year in the first year. And they just don't have that tenacity that, that getting behind that thing. And you know what? I screwed up. I got to pull it back out, you know? Or maybe I didn't screw up, but like just get in there and like figure out what's wrong with it. And maybe that is just learning the scan tool and learning how to check codes and knowing what you're supposed to be looking at and not looking at just broken cars all the time. Like that's one thing to pull out the scope on broken cars. Like, what are you looking for? Like, I don't know. I'm just scoping it. Well, (laughs) what's it supposed to look like? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and training training's is the big thing like how do we get guys trained or like interested to learn this stuff it's like that's the big question
1: that's that's what i wanted to get at you know talking about a shop today uh trying to get labor and help and stuff like that you've got to become proactive yes you cannot sit in a shop today and put an ad on indeed or monster, or wherever you want to put it, or pay some service to uh, try to find you a mechanic. That is probably not going to happen. You got to become proactive. You got to visit uh, your local uh, parole department, church. Your um, uh, if they've got the uh any kind of organizations whatever whatever's locally in your neighborhood you need to visit your neighbors you need to find out uh what kids in school have a mechanical aptitude because i guarantee you GM and Ford are down at that high school uh looking for kids that they can Uh, give a certificate to to go to trade school for half price stuff like that so you got to become proactive you've got to uh get out there and become active in the community and um parolees uh california especially a lot of parolees in california are trained in automotive while they're in prison uh so you know that may be a good answer for um uh mechanic in the shop there's nothing wrong with that guy necessarily he's been in jail on drug charges or something like that well so what
0: yep. you know well most most so of them don't stay. yeah most of them don't stay in jail anymore no yeah. they don't it's just a catch no. and release so well, yeah. i mean they'll find a lot of them world pack and uh a couple other
2: companies for many many years has relied on prison industry if you go to any of your local Transstar parts houses, the guys that are working there are parolees, and they're. that's mm-hmm. the uh, the state gives the company a break, a tax break when they hire, you know, uh, parolees. So Transstar is one, World Pack is another, and then the uh, there's a company that's based out of Southern California, and it's up here in Northern California. I don't buy from them. It's uh, called Fast Undercar, mm-hmm. out of Ventura, California. Yep. And- Thing all the drivers, uh, all the warehouse pickers are parolees because the state gives them a tax break for a small business. And there's, like, like Jim said, there's nothing wrong with hiring a parolee, it's just you got to find the right one, just like hiring out of UTI or uh, 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 mm-hmm. you just got to find the right one where they're not expecting to make a, a hundred grand a year, you know, they, they got to start off because the guys at UTI and Wild Tech, they don't have real world uh uh hands on. Most right. of them out in the classroom, hey, this is how a system works. This is how you read hydraulic schematics. This is how you read this. But the thing is, once they get it out in the real world, you know, they, they they don't cut it, you know, and and they try and then of course, you know, pulling it out, ripping it apart or uh damaging something in return. Because I've I've had uh, trainees you know i had apprentices when i was at the dealer world be it at infinity be it at uh nissan be it at uh gm or ford and they pull these guys out of uti because they're desperate you know just like everybody else and this is what's five ten years ago that they were doing this and still that that poor guy that comes out of school you know they they sing this beautiful song And then your hiring manager thinks, okay, cool. This guy's capable. And then when they bring him into a dealership, it becomes a hazmat because I've seen things get broken. I've seen things get replaced that were not necessarily replaced. And, and I tell these guys, you know, you guys got to slow your roll because number one, what they teach you in a classroom is different than reality. They, you might think it's a wire issue. It might be a component issue. You think it's a component issue it might be a wiring or a communication issue. And the the few that did stick out of 10 apprentices, I only had like two of them that made it. And one of them still works right now, he works at Toyota. And the other one is at uh at Dodge. Cuz he started with me at GM and then he left GM because he got frustrated and then uh, he went to independent side here in Sacramento, a place called Scotty's Automotive. He was there for like 10 years and then now he's with Dodge and those guys, you know, that's like two out of 10.
0: Yeah. That's not good. Per- percentages. It, it, you, you, you think that it's a confidence thing where it's like, you got to be confident in be in this industry. Right. But you be- can't be arrogant, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a lot
2: of them are arrogant.
0: Yeah. You know, come out and
2: say, Hey, I got nine years of experience, but yet you can't dismount a tire.
0: Yeah. You know, nine years of doing it wrong doesn't mean you have nine years of experience. <laughs> yes. True. Yeah.
1: One thing that uh, uh, in Europe, uh, they purchase a starter set of tools for most of the apprentices in the mechanic world. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a big hurdle for a guy going into this business. Uh, you know, we kid around and we say it's $60,000 worth of tools. Well, you know, it isn't, and it isn't. Uh, you, for about $4,500, uh, you can go and get a pretty good starter set of tools for a guy that's going to start out in this business, about $5,000. So, in my opinion, if you're going to uh, hire a guy and, and stuff, you've got to have something for that guy to work with. Now, there's a lot of shops in California now that are supplying tools. Um, you've got Toyota. Uh, some of the bigger dealers are supplying tools for the uh, technicians. You've got uh, uh, Penske. Some of those groups are starting to supply tools for technicians. Uh, so if you're a shop out here, an aftermarket transmission shop or automotive shop, you know, you kind of might want to think about spending that five thousand dollars or so and and at least getting something started for a guy that you're going to put to work from the uh, uh, schools or wherever it may be, you know. Now, the other thing, um, you know, high schools have career day. Automotive shop owners should be at that school with their hot rod diesel, whatever they own, uh, classic car, whatever it may be. Uh, they should visit. That comes back to the point of being proactive uh, in your local community. Uh, if your high school has a, a career day, you should be at that high school that day uh, to show the kids what it's like with a hot Absolutely. rod diesel yeah. or a classic car. Um, if it's a drifter, take your drifter down to Whatever the high it school. Is. It's amazing Whatever how it may much be. interest they still you know? have
0: in it too, you know. These yeah. kids are like so interested in and I I do the career day at their local high school and they want nothing to do with electric cars. <laughs> no uh-uh. it's no. amazing like what <laughs> you would think you would think they they think they want it and then and then the cool uh. thing is you show them like like we're talk we started this whole thing with like electronics moving into the automatic trans right and yeah. it, I show them like, Hey, here, and I bring my scope and I'll just do like a demonstration on what the scope can do. I'm like, we can, f- we can, we can determine this thing is on time or off time by watching cam and crank correlation on the scan. And you don't even need to get dirty and it's all on a laptop. And it's like having that mm-hmm. computer. Cause I'm sure you guys have seen kids with tablets, right? Like they navigate mm-hmm. that thing way better than I can. And, uh, <laughs> so it's like showing them like, Hey, this is, this is the stuff that we use to fix cars. And they're like, what? I don't just get in there and get dirty and they all just want to go get dirty. they's like, I just want to go get my hands dirty and like, yeah. and like take stuff apart. You know, it's like, <laughs> actually that's not really like what we do. <laughs> so ch- I think changing the, the way people view the industry the is also got to change too. You know, like it's not just getting greasy and dirty and, and ripping stuff mm-hmm. apart. You know, it's using your mind and then saying, now I know it's wrong. Now I can use my, now I can just get in there and take it apart. Cause I know what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to get more kids interested in in the industry or the younger youths, I mean, especially with the transmission field, how do you guys, I mean, feel about the wave of the transmission industry? I mean, the, you see a lot of articles now talking about electric cars and obviously there's not going to be many eight or nine or 10 speed transmissions. I don't know. Are they going to, are they going to come out with an automatic 20 speed? I mean, what's the next level? You know, when does this stop? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't see the EV world taking over anytime soon. Um, you know, the, the electric, uh, electric vehicles have got a problem. Uh, they're sitting on the uh, dealer lots now. At, at what it looks like is everybody that wanted an EV already has an EV. So the sales have dropped out. Interest rates have a whole lot to do do with that also right now because interest rates are so high. But you've got car dealers that are, uh, Toyota's still, uh, they're down to about 4% interest. So they're selling vehicles. But the vehicles they're selling are gas engines and a few hybrids. So... You know, you, you take a big diesel truck that hauls uh, uh, products across the country. Uh, the battery system is so big in one of these trucks or a ship that goes across the ocean. I mean, we're not going to have the resources to do this. You take a company that buys, um, say, a fleet of pickup trucks that are all electric vehicle Uh, Or electric trucks, they've got to put in a charging station for each one of those trucks when they're offline. So the investment into 10 trucks that are EVs, you can add an additional $4,000 to $7,000 to each one of those trucks because that utility company has got to have those trucks charged and ready to go every single day. So each one of those trucks requires a charging station at your local facility, and in San Francisco, Sacramento, you can forget about that because the real estate is so costly. You don't have room to install all those chargers, probably. So your utility company just bit the dust with electric pickup trucks that they need to service any any. Uh, to any capacity. I'll, and- I'll
2: add this. In the state of California right now, I have a good friend of mine that owns a uh, construction company. He has a fleet of trucks. He has a fleet of six, seven power strokes because he's a he's a Ford guy. And uh, he just told me that in order for him to add another diesel truck to his fleet next year, the state of California mandates that he has to have a plug-in electric truck before he could add another diesel truck. And this is Kevin over at Placerville. At Placerville. This isn't even in Sacramento. I mean, out in the hills, their smog laws and all their uh, emissions laws are very loose compared to what's down here, San Francisco and Southern California, because you're in uh, El Dorado County. And he's he's like, yeah, man, they're going to make me buy a plug-in. I said, well, I'll just go buy a Chevy Bolt. (laughs) you know (laughs) a used
0: one it's like it's like when chrysler bought fiat you know yes uh state
2: what plug-in you have to buy but the thing is it your your hybrids is starting to be into technology meaning that it's finally caught up where they're reliable you you know your first gen priuses had nothing but battery issues because they corroded and and uh leached and all that stuff and then of course your first gen a lot of people converted over to a plug-in or uh there's aftermarket companies out there that made a better battery pack with lithium uh cells and then your second gen the uh the priuses got better and then the third gen i mean right now when i see those priuses all they come in for is a 12 volt battery uh fluid change services brakes plugs and that's about it uh I've had maybe in the last twenty years, I've done ten engines because people don't change their oil on time. Right. Outside of that, the the Priuses out of all the your your uh, your your Priuses are up to to date on technology, but as far as plugins go, dude, we're still like ten on technology. The battery sucks. I mean, when when uh, GM first came in came out with the plug in the. Um, the little spark to Sonic, mm-hmm. we're replacing those battery packs. And right now, the Chevy uh, Bolts—they're getting battery packs because the batteries suck. And right. and if you look at Tesla, you look at the new guys now. The new the new game, like Rivian, that's coming in. uh What's Lucid. the other? Lu-
0: Lucid, Lucid, yeah,
2: yeah. It, the battery's not there yet, and and everybody's buying these plugins. And I feel bad for them. And it's just, I got a guy that owns three um, uh, Teslas. He has a P70D. He has another uh, P70D that's all-wheel drive, and he has a Model 3. He's an IT guy. So he's all over northern and and, uh, middle of California. His, His charging time when he goes down to the Bay Area, when he's in San Francisco working on a server, he has to uh, go to Hayward to charge before he comes home because he won't make it home. And uh, all the guys I used to work with in the dealer world are now working for Tesla because Tesla guarantees an hourly wage, to, so they they jump ship. The benefits are better. Uh, one of the thing that one of the things that Tesla does for their employees is they give them a, a wellness um, incentive, meaning that you work there for three to five years they give you 125 grand it's it's like a um what the hell did he call it it's i i got uh, three buddies i work over at Tesla that I used to work with at the dealer world and they give you this uh grant wellness grant they give you like 125 to 500 grand in a 5 year period so basically you work and you make 70 grand a year that grant that Let's let's make it a round number. Hundred grand. They split in five years. They give you an extra twenty thousand dollars a year for free. So it's like a, a payment uh, package. And it's, yeah,
0: it's all, like for all, for health.
2: They're they're on my Facebook, so they they know you know that they can't beat this at any dealership. And uh and that's why they they're at Tesla. And then when I got into the insight. Of how they repair teslas that's when they don't they don't have service manuals so if you get a tesla in the shop at at a tesla as a tesla dealership the repair is on a cloud so basically your multi-screen goes out there's no diagnostic information so they jump on the cloud and they see what all these other tesla dealerships did to repair that issue so they could replace three or four parts before it fixes it, and sometimes it will fix it, and then they then they replace the harness.
0: Sounds and, like an Identifix.
2: Ident- like it's like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Identifix is good for helping, pointing you in a direction of, okay, what what might be wrong, but a lot of guys that use Identifix just, oh, it needs that ECM or it needs that temp sensor. They throw it in and don't fix it, and then it's yeah. like, now what, buddy? <laughs> Google's not helping you, <laughs> you know, and and, and it, 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 it just sucks because a lot of the guys like Jim, like uh, Gary Mullins, there, there's a lot of guys out there that knows how to diagnose. And as we get older, you know, we retire. And then the, the new wave that's coming in, they're relying on Identifix. They're relying on uh, that YouTube, guy. YouTube. Yeah. Well, I even worked with guys at Dodge that relied on Google. And 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 you sit there, you look at the guy, it's like, dude, you, you do know you, you gotta diagnose it. But because warranty pay for diagnosis sucks so much, they only give you four tenths or seven tenths to diagnose an issue. Now you gotta dive into a, uh, a pinout. They Google it. Even at the training center, at Chrysler's training center here in Sacramento, over at the uh, UTI. That fucking guy tells you, Google it before you shop.
0: <laughs> really? Oh. But it. it and, and, I mean, I get it. Like, it helps. You know, it, it does it help. L- but the thing, I mean, yeah. should rely on it,
2: right? And that's that's the bad.
0: That's the bad. Yeah, about they don't know, they don't know what to do when they come to the point when all the forums and all the googling and all the YouTube search doesn't give them the answer. Yes. And instead of watching these YouTube videos and learning, they're like skipping to the end to see what they replaced. <laughs> you
1: know, here's what I predict: if if a shop say like um, uh, a shop needs uh, a transmission mechanic, they're going to have to offer that uh, prospective technician more than what they think they're going to have to offer him. They're going to have to give him time off. They're going to have to also pay him a part of the profits, which is. Um, you know, he has to be integrated within that business. You're going to have, if you're a shop owner, uh, you're going to have to give up some of the financial benefits that you may receive to your technicians. They deserve a part of those profits if they contribute to it anyway. Yeah. They should get some of the profits. They should get a, a portion of that. Now, I mean, you uh, have a huge, big investment in an automotive shop or a transmission shop. takes a lot of money for uh, leases, lifts, and tools, and things like that, advertising, um, taxes, electricity. You've got all these costs. But there's nothing wrong with having your accountant Um, set up a profit sharing program for all your technicians as time goes on and as you hire people um, and the business grows. Um, I know automotive shops that uh, hide all the finances from their employees and they've got a constant a group of employees coming and going every year because they don't get any bonuses, any profit sharing of the business. It's just a job. It's a McDonald's, you know, it's, it's like a Burger King, you know, put that burger through the machine and here we go. We'll get somebody else to put the burgers in the machine, you know, next week. So uh, this younger generation is not gonna be a burger uh, machine poker you know it's not gonna happen this younger generation has to have a lot more than that and so did we when we were younger that's you know so that's that's a part of uh, how we're uh, I think that's how, the pull you
0: know, to get in into this, this field too is like being able to fix something you know
1: mm-hmm You know, and nothing else, become a big brother to a single uh, parent uh, that has no father in the picture. Go down and, you know, when I say become active in your community, uh, be a big brother. Take, Take a kid and bring him to the shop and show him what automotive is about you know, a uh, couple of days here and there, you know, uh, see if he has interest in that. Yeah. Um, you know, your local college, um, uh, where I'm at here in California, Citrus College is the local automotive college for the uh, automotive industry. And, um, you know, if you're a shop owner, you should be down at that college occasionally and see what what's going on down there you know with new prospects
0: yeah or at least be talking to the instructors there and saying hey yes you got any Mm -hmm. candidates in here that are a little above average maybe a little above par or even if they're not is there any that could use a little extra help but are like extremely interested in it too because there's that side of the coin too if you have the time you know and if you got a kid that's super interested in it and wants to do it i feel like that's more important than the one that's naturally good at it that doesn't want to show up You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just like you said with the parolees, like, I mean, we're all guilty of it. We just haven't gotten caught. You know, like the difference between us and them is like, they got caught. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, when it comes down to it, right? Like, they're not that much different, you know, and like, and and some of them don't have like the same handouts or the same, not, I wouldn't say handout, but the same opportunities given to them. And yeah, you give them a little bit of an opportunity and they just take hold that. And idle hands is the devil's playground. So as long as they're not. (laughs) You know, yeah. give them something to do with their hands. It was like... Yeah, I caught my, uh,
1: my son and uh, one of his high school buddies out in the street one day. I come home from work, and they've got a Honda Civic out in the street, a nice little red, fairly new Honda Civic. And they got their laptop and a little plug-in OBD2 thing, and they're uh, adding... 50 horsepower to this honda civic with a laptop and this little obd2 that day i knew everything was okay <laughs> with my kid
0: <laughs> that's a lot better choice of time to be than anything else he could be doing
1: yeah yeah <laughs> so you know we you got to get him interested i mean um too many, like you were saying, uh, Jimmy. I mean, too many of these kids think that it's all dirt and grease and uh, stuff, and it is a lot of it is dirt and grease and stuff like that. But a well, whole you can portion, if you want to,
0: and, yeah. And just whole, like point of and on your point of being bored, you're not going to be bored doing this stuff. No, and you can no. have both of those things if you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but the opportunity to to interact with the client, You could have, you know, you don't even have to be in the shop if you don't want to. Like there's there's so many different avenues in like the business itself to just say that, Oh, I don't want to get in the auto industry because I don't like grease. Right. Or on the other side of it, like, well, that's all I want to do is just take stuff apart. But my boss is always telling me to diagnose stuff and I don't like that. I just want to, I just want to take stuff apart, put it back together. Well, you got to have both, you know, you got to be able to want to do both those things But the main thing is you're you're just not going to be bored. It's not a clock in and clock out job. And especially with the transmission side of it. And I I don't know. And that's always makes me nervous is bringing an apprentice in for the transmission side. Because I just, maybe I don't know it well enough to be able to teach it. You know what I mean? And so to, to to like overshadow someone rebuilding a transmission, it's like, well, I don't feel like I know it enough to teach that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, if, David, if, if you've brought any apprentices in to actually rebuild units or just no. general auto repair.
2: I've had guys for general automotive and I've had guys for uh, transmissions. First things first, you got to train them how to diagnose it, you know, how to read a scan tool, how to read uh, hydraulic schematics, because every... Every manufacturer has a uh, hydraulics uh, schematic in their service library or SI or um, mm-hmm. in their repertoire of repair manuals. Mm-hmm. But they have to learn how to read those first, so they know what they're looking for before the teardown stuff. Because that teardown stuff is easy.
0: That's, yeah do you, do you think do you think the teardown though is what gets them interested though? I feel like when they come in like and it's a tra- and I'm a transmission shop. That's the first thing they want to do is they want to walk back to the bench and they want to take something apart.
2: Yes, it is, but the thing is they have to understand the dynamics of it first, tear it apart, because if they don't, you're back to square one where the, the guy that, you know, hey, pull it, rip it out, tear it apart.
1: Yeah, you're right. Wow. Let's talk about another issue with employees. Now, uh, there's what's called self-management, uh, where you work for somebody and Uh, you've got some uh, atmospheres where a boss is constantly telling you what you need to do. And you've got other circumstances where you don't have that. You're on your own and you have to uh, self-manage what you do every day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of say like you've got a job for R&R and transmissions. Well, it's pretty well understood if you're an R&R guy that that's what you're going to do every day. We're going to R&R transmission today, and we've got multiple vehicles we're going to work on. So, uh, there's a part of uh, the industry that we're not talking about, that aptitude and self-management issue. Uh, you've got to be capable if you're going to be a technician and be uh, successful in the transmission business or automotive business, number one, you've got to have an aptitude for that business and that work. You've got to be able to comprehend at a great level or whatever level you're going to in that business. You've got to be able to do self-management and self-learning, and you've got to be able to take a all circuit diagram or an electrical circuit, and you've got to be able to think about it and figure out where you're headed there. You've got to have the aptitude to do that. That's the difference between self-management and self-learning and a guy that you've got to hold under your thumb and guide him through every uh, circumstance that he gets involved in. Gil Younger told me many years ago, He says, if I have to manage you and tell you what to do, then there's no point in me having you hired as an employee because I don't have the time to tell you what you should be doing in our company every day.
0: You, you kind of follow what I'm saying? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You've got, but there's, you, there, there's that fine line too, though, of mic mm-hmm. of between micromanaging and then having them, you know, obviously be completely 100% on their own. Um, and obviously it comes to training, right? Like, like you mentioned training them and, and then having your standard operating procedures and your processes well documented. This is what we do. And if something, mm-hmm. wrong, we do. if something goes wrong, this is what we do. If something goes wrong, this is what we do. But I think on that point, a lot of guys don't realize that you're trying to prove your first hypothesis right right like when you get an idea of what the problem is you're not supposed to be proving your you're not supposed to be like proving that <laughs> it's like you you're, you're no. just trying to prove your hypothesis like either right or wrong you know like you need to get in there and and, and for the most part you really should be proving yourself wrong you know finding any other option because some guys this is what the problem is it's going to be a shift solenoid. So I just need to get in there and and just test this. And then as long as it tests, it'll be bad. But then you you get these test results and then you manufacture in your head. Oh, that's definitely not what it's supposed to look like. You know, instead of saying maybe I'm wrong. And it's like that arrogance versus, uh, you know, having confidence. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, and a lot of guys are just arrogant and like, oh, I know what it is. As soon as they think that, before they even looked at the car, someone comes in, client says, hey, I got this issue. And it shows from first to second, second to third, whatever, whatever the issue is. And they just in their head, oh, I've had that issue before. It's probably going to be this. And that's it. That's their diagnosis. And even yeah. though they go in and spend the time to diagnose the issue, they just, they can't get out of their own head. That's what the, you know. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think the younger guys, I see that a lot too, because they'll read it on YouTube or Google and like, oh, I know what it is. And instead of trying to fix the car, they're just trying to prove that they're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I know. Yeah. And I, 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 it's so hard to not micromanage that person. But then also, you got to have that confidence to like do this work. So, you're trying to like, how do I use this? How do I utilize this guy and his confidence to like fight the car, not me? <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. You're not uh, trying
0: to prove me right or wrong.
2: <laughs> we know a couple of mm-hmm. guys. They would jump on and uh, ask tech support, basically, Jim, Raleigh Alvarez, or um, any one of the tech guys just to go onto a, a Facebook forum to answer a question. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not mentioning any of those names, but still, if you got to go ask someone for an answer to answer something, you're in the wrong game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that too, like reaching out for help when you need it, but reaching out for guidance, you know, and I've, I've talked to Jim before. I've definitely had my fair share of problems. He's been my knight in shining armor, <laughs> you know, in situations to help me guide. But yeah, it's like, it's like skipping to the end of the video to find out what the part is replaced instead of learning how the system operates. You know, and I mentioned Bernie Thompson and there's Paul Danner with scanner Danner. And there's a lot of videos out guys out there that are promoting this content. And a lot of guys don't like that. You're giving away the secrets. You're giving away all our secrets oh man, there's so many secrets out there. I don't think you could give them all away. So I've always been on the other side of the fence. Like, look, if they can promote that education, that's fantastic. Because that's less headaches that come into my shop. Because when a client goes and they spend $1,000 getting 10 different parts replaced, that doesn't fix it. Or they say, oh, you need a transmission. And they replace the whole unit and it doesn't fix it. Man, they are mad at me for some reason when that car comes to my shop. I already spent $8,000. What do you mean it's going to be $400 to diagnose it? Like, do you want to fix (laughs) it and so so the more competency we have out there i think is better you know and all yeah all information
1: no matter where it comes from is an educational process yeah um you know in in reality whether it's youtube whether it's google whether it's uh an industry uh, paid technical program or source or whatever it may be. Any and all of that is part of an educational process period, but uh, you got to use everything with a grain of salt. You have to have back to the aptitude. You have to have an aptitude for this to discern what's good and what's bad in all of those processes of information. You know, just because something comes up on Google, uh, don't by any means make it correct for the application you're working with. Uh, I mean, um, you know, you can use AI. Everybody's been talking about this artificial intelligence, chat, GPT, AI, and all that stuff. Um, You know, it may be good for the medical industry or whatever they want to put forth with it. But when you put automotive in, into chat, GPT AI and some of these other artificial intelligence uh, programs, you can get basic information back like a code means this or code means that. But I mean, that doesn't help you with an in depth issue on a vehicle. You know, a vehicle that's got a weird electronic problem or a weird hydraulic problem, that's the end of AI. Yeah. It's it's over with.
0: And you all, have, you, all you see is the problem, Charles, right? So on your tech line, you see yeah. the worst of the worst, mm-hmm. right? And so I get a lot of people say, well, it works for me. Like I can just scan a code and put a part in, right? And it works mm-hmm. for my business. I can make money do it. Are you slow, Jim? Like you, you don't have a lack of tech calls coming in. Right. So the no. amount of the amount of these hard issues that are out there that need a skilled diagnostician, mm-hmm. it, there's a huge need for it. Right. And I, I just I hear the other side of that story where, well, that's all I do. You know, I just I just scan for codes and I replace the first thing on them, and it works for me nine out of ten times. Like you're not the exception. It was like there's so much involved diagnostics that, out there that needs these skilled guys Yeah, and and I guess it goes to the question of like, how do you measure that aptitude? How do you find that special something in a a technician?
1: I've got two kinds of clients. I've got regulars that call uh, regularly that I deal with every day, every week, every month. And the other uh, side of it is calls from guys that I don't talk to every week or every month. When I hear from one of those guys, they've got a vehicle that's been at three or four other shops before they got it, and the problem's still prevalent, and uh, uh, they're stuck. They've done tried everything that they know to try, so now they, they give me a call, and I'll take all the data that they've got look at it, uh, analyze it, and see if I can come up with anything. I don't fix all these vehicles by any means. Uh, Some vehicles are just simply, they're moving uh, out of my world eventually. I mean, one or two here and there, uh, you know, the shops put everything they can put into it and this and that, and they don't want to spend any more money on it after they call me, if I don't come up with something pretty quick, that vehicle's out of that shop and moved on. They don't have time to work with a vehicle that is unprofitable to the business. So, I'm the deciding factor a lot of times. If I can't come up with something pretty quick there, if it's something I got to study and this and that takes two or three days, that shop moves on from that vehicle. It's out the door and on to somebody else i've actually gotten vehicles from another shop that got the vehicle after that shop moved on from it i i'll get a call (laughs) from another guy and you're like
0: i recognize this i know this
1: vehicle (laughs) i know what's going on here i already know so you know, that's, that's the other side of the industry. The guys that know what they're doing every day and, um, you know, they've already fully diagnosed a vehicle and something outside that normal spectrum of diagnosis is what it is. The vehicle may have been in a, a flood, um, you know, or, or some, uh, extenuating circumstance, uh, you know, where uh, it's an off-road vehicle or it's uh, an abused vehicle. It's one of those 68 RFEs that's a race vehicle that's driven on the streets. Uh, you know, something like that. Which, um, you know, you can dig into one of those vehicles and you can spend weeks on it trying to figure out some kind of weird problem. Hell, it's, it's, uh, it's a race vehicle. It shouldn't be on the streets anyway. Yeah. You know? Right. So a lot of those vehicles on that other side of the spectrum or, uh, you know, not what you call everyday,
0: uh, shop
1: vehicles anyway.
0: Yeah. The profitability I think is the biggest point there for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, how, how, how do I have a technician take on this problem and be mm-hmm. profitable? I can do it. Right. And I'm sure David, you have the same thing. Like you can do it. Like, it's like, but I just can't pay a technician to spend that kind of time with this car. There's no way I can mm-hmm. bill for it. So now I'm literally paying out of my own pocket. Some, you know, t- to to just run in circles around it. And it's like, well, my time's not worth anything because I'm the owner. So I'll just go do it myself. But it's like, how much time do, do I then, uh, uh, you know, get into this? And then it's just like, when is it crossing from a business to just pride? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when does it just turn into a prideful thing? I want to be the guy to fix it. Why?
1: Yeah, a lot of vehicles in shops end up being, have to be fixed because there's thousands of dollars involved. Yeah. Um, you know, there has to be an answer. So, I get, I get a few of those vehicles every now and then, which are heavy-duty electrical problems that... Um, You know, a module is bad or wiring is bad or uh, the signal going into some module, the ABS is corrupting the signal. And then you have to train a guy with a scope. Uh, You spend weeks um, explaining how to look at that signal with a scope. He's never used a scope in his life. So, uh, those are, are extenuating circumstances. Luckily they don't happen every day. Mm -hmm. You know, those are once or twice, two or three times a year. It would
0: almost be better if it was every day though, because you do all this training for this once in a month or once in three mm -hmm. month problem. And it's like, we were talking before we started recording about like, like 62 TEs. Like I, I don't really want to build those. I don't want to stock parts for those. I don't like there's certain transmissions. It's like, there's no need for me to figure like the old AW 55 50 SN like and the Volvos. Like I I don't need to know how to I I don't care. Like they had all mobile. those they had all yeah. those solenoid issues and you could get the side cover right and you drill the hole so you could and it's like I don't mm-hmm. wanna do all this stuff because it's like I'm not gonna see these every day. There's no reason for it, you know? So yeah. it's like it's but if I did, then it would make sense. So it's like with the scopes, it's like you almost need these headaches so that you can train and gear up for it. But on the same side, uh, the, uh, the, on the other side of the coin, it's like, well, you don't really want those headaches either because they're not profitable.
1: But that's uh, here's the other side of that. That's why I write articles every now and then, like for uh, Sonax Trans- Transmission Digest, so I don't have to deal with explaining a process to that guy uh, over and over again. I can refer to a link on a website. And he can go look at that data and read it, and hopefully can benefit from it because, um, uh, you know, and I'm sure that's why all the trainers in the automotive business you mentioned, Bernie Thompson, all those, uh, they put all this information out there because they get tired of telling the, the this, uh, Shop or that shop over and over again the process of having to diagnose that problem or, or do that procedure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's so
0: just, yeah, it breaks down what it it gives a a service to it, right? Like this is this yeah. is why it's worth money because look mm-hmm. at all these things I have to do. Yeah, you
1: know. yeah. You take that 5550 SN. uh, that's outside of pretty much every shop spectrum anymore. That's an old Volvo that's not going to be in service hardly anymore. Right. So, you know, it's not a profitable shop
0: job. Yeah. Really. But then, you get, but then you get the Jiffy Lube that pulls the plug out of the top to fill it and they lose the band <laughs> anchor, right? <laughs> so do you not, so do you not fix it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, all they did is service uh, and now I don't have third gear. It's like, well, I know how to fix that, but I don't really work on those, you know? Yeah. But do you, though? And it's like the same with BMWs. I don't do BMWs, but what if it's a 5040 that comes in? Here's well, I what I, I want to know, I guess I Jimmy. work on
1: BMWs. Here's what I want to know, Jimmy. Do you have yeah. kids? Kids? No. No? Well, I can't ask you this question. I was going <laughs> to ask you if you go home and work on your daughter's little electric Jeep.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> would. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Whatever has got wheels, I guess. I'll yeah. try to figure it out. <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah. But um, you know, oh god, this this automotive world is crazy. You yeah. know?
0: There, there there's just no right or really wrong, you know, wrong answer. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like what makes it so hard and all the shades and and just like you said, you gotta have guides with aptitude, and it's like, well how do I quantify that how do i how do i know this guy is understanding the process you know you just see the glazed over look in his eyes you know he's like and he comes out and he's all of a sudden he's got the i got the answer like how did you come to that answer like how did you figure that out you know what i mean like did you look through the hydraulic schematics and like decipher exactly what's going on or did you just see some video somewhere and now you have an idea And it's like the good and the bad thing about the internet. It's like, and they're not going to tell you, like, Oh, I figured it out. Like, how'd you figure it out? Like what's going on up there? You know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the, what, the way I used to interview guys call themselves an electrical specialist interview, a fluke 89 or 88, no 87 or 88 fluke 87. Yeah. And I, I lay in front of them and I tell them, okay, how do you measure resistance? So I hand them the leads, I hand them the meter, I should just plug it together and then set it to measure resistance or measure amperage for parasitic draw. And it it shocks me because I I, I would sit there and say, so uh, how do you measure for parasitic draw? This is a test light. It's like, okay, that works too, because I've done it, but how, how do you know what's drawing if you don't know how many amps it's pulling to drain that battery yeah and he's and when they tell me well we gotta unplug a bunch of stuff and it's like well you know your your dvom helps you out with that because if you know exactly how many amps it's pulling or if you don't know how to use a dvom even um there's a company called ess now that makes this little fuse buddy thing that you plug in place of the fuse that the fuse Mm -hmm. and it measures how many amps it pulls. When you when you look at that amperage, you know if it's pulling high amps, it's going to be a motor. If it's pulling lower amps, you know it's a module. So, mm-hmm. it, what to unplug, and then you don't have to go f- start taking seats apart and stuff like that. And that's when that's how you tell the dude or the gal has the amplitude to do the uh, the work. And the, the common sense I, to stuff. Yeah, and and I don't I don't beat them up. I, I just try to educate them and if they're if they still feel that that's their strong suit that's when we bring them in for that department or you know we train them on other things on top of their uh specialties.
0: Yeah, that, that common sense that high level indicator stuff is is what a lot of a lot of guys are are missing. Yes. You know like mm-hmm. Most of the time, you don't need to pull the pan on a transmission if it comes in for a diagnosis. Like, yeah, it's a pretty good chance this thing's hammered. You know, yeah. <laughs> like now we don't another- really need to break a scope out when when it's a four oh sixty has got no third gear and the fluid is black. Like, OK, it needs to come out. But nah. it's like that high level indicator. Just like you said, being able to decipher like if it's a high amp, where are you looking? Like if it's high amperage, why are you looking at low amp circuits right now? Like yeah. you're, you're wasting time, which is wasting money. You know, and it's like, and, but like, how do you, how do you teach that? You know, instead of, instead of being kind of harsh with them and being like, look, dummy, why would you be doing this? What uses, what uses high amps? You know what I mean? Like, think about what you're doing, you know, and it's like, it's like, how do you write that down?
1: Here's how you do that. (laughs) Pepe Torres and I were talking about this. The new generation has their phone. You, You let them Google it. And uh, see what comes up on Google.
0: You uh, that's the. <laughs> as long as Google. <laughs> if Google says it's right, it must be right. But, if it's on, but, if it's on uh, Facebook, then it must be right. But Peffi Torres is saying,
1: you know, this new generation of employees, you have to give them the benefit of looking at that phone because they're using that phone to pick up information. They're not always checking messages and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all that stuff. I don't know if I agree with that, but but uh but beppy says uh you gotta at least give them uh 15 minutes an hour or something like that every every hour to look
0: at their phone i don't know about that you know yeah that's the the other huge divide when it comes to the shops you know i remember when i started it was we had lockers and we had to put our phone in the locker
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> can't do that anymore those just quit that's yeah, over that yeah. day <laughs> yeah I gotta have my phone like alright have your phone I don't care uh-huh. yeah, whatever Ma- uh-huh. and then it's like they go on a test drive and they break down their phones on their toolbox like really you had your oh, phone man. on you all day <laughs> and you decided not to take it with you on the test drive and now I'm like wondering 45 minutes later hey I haven't where the hell did he go <laughs> no phone call no nothing no nothing Yeah. Like, uh, and then I look over I'm like See the phone on the toolbox, you know, and bay's empty. Oh, I think I know what happened. <laughs> That's why we have a designated test drive route. I'll just go drive the route, you know, find them. Mm. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been uh, this has been good. This has been this has been yeah. fun. I agree. Yeah, you got some good information here. I got to make my drive up to San Jose now. So, you have a safe brother. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate both of you guys coming on.
1: Yeah. And we can do this again sometime about another subject. There's many subjects we got in the transmission and automotive industry.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we could yeah. And that's what the information needs to get out there is we're all thinking it but no one's saying it. And it's like a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of stuff we need to realize. We're all doing the same thing, right? Yes, we are. We're, we're not no 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 none of us are special. No. No. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Um, hang All out right, for just Jimmy. a minute while this thing uploads. But yeah, I appreciate you guys being here. Okay. All Thank you. Right. Till next time.